You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled that you could be with us to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, our guest is experienced cadaver dog trainer, handler, and author, S.V. Wolf. And she is going to talk with us today about her new book, Death Scent, and all of her experience as a cadaver dog handler. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome SV to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right, but that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited today to have S.V. Wolf as our guest. Hello, S.V., and welcome. Well, good morning. I appreciate being here. Yeah, we're so excited because I know cadaver dogs are something that I've always been interested in and, and really, really want to hear about that. Tell us, what is a cadaver dog? Well, a cadaver dog is also sometimes referred to as a human remains dog. And uh, what they do is they specialize in the dead. They will completely ignore live human odor so that they can actually scent through where other people may have tracked to look for somebody. And they will actually go and locate human remains. Wow. How did you become a cadaver dog handler and trainer? Well, I actually started out like when I was 12 years old training dogs, not for cadaver, but just working with dogs. And uh, that kind of led into helping law enforcement agencies train narcotics dogs. And then uh, in 1996, 
1996, where I happened to live in a small town in Texas, a woman went missing, uh, someone that I knew was an acquaintance. And there were no cadaver dogs at that time that they could locate. There were so few of them in the country. That's changed now. But So at that time, I actually started looking for a way to get trained and certified with my dog that I was using for narcotics. And I located an organization in Seattle, went through their training, was certified through them, and started working with law enforcement agencies from there. Wow. So what skills did you have to have as a handler to work with a dog? You really have to have that knack for training and understanding the mind of a dog. And I think the mistake that some people may make is thinking that every method of training works for every dog. But they're just like us. They have different personalities, and you have to be flexible in how you approach them. Absolutely. And did you have your own dog when you went through the program, or did you get your dog afterwards? I had my own dog. Titan was a, uh, is a German Shepherd. He's actually German descent lineage. Um, not, he's not, he was an American, and he's actually the, um, the main character in the novel that I wrote, and the, and the book was inspired by him. Wow. Well, I know there's so many things I want to ask you. So tell us quickly about the book, though. I know we're going to talk a lot more about it, but how did you come up with the idea to write the book? You know, I always just had that desire to write, and frankly, it took me about 10 years to get this book out because I'm I'm like a lot of other people. I work full-time and um, do a lot of the dog work on the side, and um, so I just kind of took 10 years' worth of working with Titan and the cases that he uh, worked, and I kind of drew from those experiences, and that's kind of how the novel came about. Yeah, well, you're a perfect person to write that with all the experience that you and Titan have together. It gives you all that background research, right? Yeah, yeah, I already had that. And, uh, you know, working with the various law enforcement agencies, the FBI and the police departments, and there's been rare occasions where we actually had the IRS <laughs> involved and, you know, just a lot of uh, different experiences and knowledge and that I was able to apply when writing it. Well, after you finished the training in Seattle, how did you how did you get law enforcement to start calling you to go out on cases? Yeah, that can be a real tricky thing. In my case, I already kind of had that association with them through narcotics work. But for someone who doesn't have any present contact with them and they start out with something like this, I think the best approach to take with them is to call that department, that homicide and missing persons department, and just let them know who you are and, and what your training is, how the dog's been qualified, and and just ask them if uh, they would be open to you giving a demonstration of how the dog works and let them see how the dog is able to locate actual cadaver odor, and, and you go from there. You have to earn their trust. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so you said you had Titan when you went through the training. So how did you know that Titan would be a good cadaver dog? You look for a dog that has what we call high prey drive. And that kind of turns out to be a dog that you can hand him a piece of pizza or a a squeaky toy or a ball in the other hand, and, and that dog wants that toy. 
So they've got that really high prey drive. And with Titan, I got him at nine weeks old, and I did prey work, what's called prey work with him, to actually build his prey drive. And a lot of that was... uh like taking toys on a on a rope and a string and dragging them along and jerking them different directions and you kind of get that instinct going in that dog for you know wanting that prey. And so what during the training process that you went through so I'm guessing you did it together? Oh yeah, the dog definitely goes through the training with you. There 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 are different organizations now um available all over the country where you can go with your dog or without your dog. Uh, it's kind of, it, you know, it's up to you. But I found the best approach uh, to go through training with your dog. Yeah, yeah. How long was the training process for you two? The basic training that we went through, I believe, was seven days long. And the what's called the advanced training was five days long. And that's, what, you know, you're working each day, uh, all day, doing different exercises, sitting through some classroom time, and then you go out and do different exercises with the dog, and then you're actually tested at the end of that course. And if you don't pass that final test with the dog, then you are not certified. You would have to come back and redo the test. Yeah, that's similar to what it is for me and Whistle. (laughs) And we have to keep getting recertified every year and a half. Do you guys have to do that as well? You know, it depends on the law enforcement agency that you're working with or the organization that you work with, what those uh, requirements and parameters are. But I advise it. I advise, Mm -hmm. uh, and and to keep training records. You need to keep training records, the various training and and different courses that you go through and and the training you do with the dog at home, what we call maintenance training. Because once you work a case with law enforcement, it's quite possible that you can get called into court. And if you don't have records of that dog's training and abilities, then your skills are always called into question. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I can imagine that would be an issue. Yeah, just like I keep whistles, all of his information on me all the time in case when I go out in public and can get questioned. But I can only imagine the intensity if you're dealing with a case and and the court system. Tell us about some of the high-profile cases that you and Titan have worked. Titan, let's see, the Madeline O'Hare case, if you remember who she was, uh, the lady who basically got prayer out of school. Her family were murdered and, and buried, and, and that's probably an interesting point to bring up at some point during the conversations, the various uh, ways that a dog is able to recover bodies, you know, as yes. far as whether they're buried or not buried. And, um, so that, that's an interesting subject as well. But um, here in the Texas area, uh, our high-profile high cases, he's worked, he worked the Diane Tilly case, which was a teacher that had been abducted and um, murdered and was missing. Uh, the Rizzo case, where we had um, body parts in the backyard and they used Titan to get a search warrant to get into the house. And so he, he had worked quite a few um, high profile cases here. Sounds like it. And were most of them people who were buried that he found? Most of them, yes. You know, you also work cases where people have just gone missing, and they may be out on a boat, and the boat's found, but there's no uh, individual. So, yeah, we've gone out with game wardens 
Um, here in Texas, the game wardens are the ones who actually would go out on the water and do the searches for drowning victims. And, and so we've done that uh, a few times. And, and I had a funny question from a, a kid one time when we were doing, you know, talking out of school about what cadaver dogs do. And so I was telling them that at one point Titan had recovered a, um, a body that was 90 feet underwater. The kid asked, well, how did you get the mask and fins on him? <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. really took me a minute to realize what he was oh, talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's amazing because, you know, there's a big difference between recovering a body that's buried mm-hmm. and a body that's underwater. And you have to kind of learn all those aspects, and that just comes from experience. Yeah. Is it harder to find a body for a dog in the water? I guess depending on how deep it is. It depends on how deep it is, how cold the water is, because the cold water will keep the odor down more. Mm-hmm. And you have to be working with divers that understand that when a body is buried in the ground, a dog can pretty much pinpoint right on top of it. But when a body is underwater, they have to understand the currents beneath so that they know that that body is probably up current from where the dog is alerting. That's because really the interesting. Odor, yeah, the odors are going to be you know, brought down current and surface further away from where it's at. And how do you train a dog to find bodies beneath the water? We take them out on a flat boat, and uh, we have their reward toy with us. And you just keep asking them, you know, like if you're going on the first time, you, you just keep asking them and showing them the water. And eventually when you go over that scent pool, they will recognize it. And that's when you praise them and let them know, yes, that's what I'm looking for. So you'll have, you know, for training, you'll have an actual scent object underwater. And sometimes we actually have a diver down there that has that scent pool. And then we'll have the diver come up with the reward toy and hand it to them. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and they get excited. I was going to say, I bet they get really excited. They yeah, do. that's that's really cool. So do you get them acclimated to the water where they get to play in it as well? Or is that not really important? It's not really important because they're on a boat. And actually, if you've got a dog that loves the water like some golden retrievers do or labs, mm-hmm. they want to jump off the boat and go swimming. So that can actually be a problem. Yeah, that's what I wondered if that would be a distraction for them. Right. And sometimes, you know, you get into places where there's gators, you, mm-hmm. know, and, you know, like in Florida and Louisiana, and um, that can be a real problem. You've got to kind of hang on to that dog if, if they tend to be ones that want to jump overboard. Yeah, I would think safety out in the field in all areas would be really important. Wow. Well, this is so cool, and we're going to continue talking with SV, but we're going to hear some messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Introducing the new Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection, exclusively at PetSmart. I created it for the pets that rock your world. Shop the Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection and celebrate PetSmart's 25th anniversary with up to 25% off thousands of items on the PetSmart site, plus free shipping on orders of $49 or more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. That's PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. 
Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson, music to your ears. Hi, I'm Lisa Smith-Putnam, the host of the new and exciting show, Your Pets, My Dogs, here on Pet Life Radio. Your Pets, My Dogs will feature celebrity interviews, we'll talk to everyday pet owners, and more. Listen, I am here to entertain you each and every week, right here on Pet Life Radio. Again, that's Your Pets, My Dogs. I'm your host, Lisa Smith-Putnam. Your Pets, My Dogs. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with author and cadaver dog trainer and handler S.V. Wolf. And SV, we were talking, you were sharing with us the amazing aspects of cadaver dogs and how you work in the water and buried. And and you talked about some of the high profile cases that you've worked on. But tell us, what's the case that you think you're most proud of? I don't know about most proud of, but probably the most memorable for me was a case that we worked in uh, Johnson City, Texas, where... A man had been missing for two years, and they knew he had been out in this, this park area up there, and it's really just vast, hilly, uh, rocky country. And what had happened is his lab he was with had gotten bit by a rattlesnake. He had carried the dog out of there and got him to the vet, but it had taken him, I think, a couple of hours. And by that time, the dog, he expired. And the guy was just so devastated about this because this was like his only friend in the world. And uh, he wound up taking his other dog to, I think, his sister's house. And then he just basically disappeared. Two years later, they found his car that was covered with netting and hidden in a wooden area across from um, this park or reserve, whatever you would want to call it. But so we just started, we took Titan, we started from the car, we kind of felt like he would be in that park reserve area somewhere, and since we had the car now in a basic entry area, we went in that direction, and uh, Titan kind of started giving some signs around this bush, and you know, I took out what's called a puffer, and the puffer uh, has baby powder in it, and what you do is you just kind of squeeze some out, and it tells you which direction the wind has come from. So I asked him to go that way, and as soon as he got his head into the wind, he just took off running. And he he located uh, the man's remains, and he had built a rock altar and put his dog in there, the one that had expired, and kind of took off his uh, glasses and things of that nature. And uh, he had committed suicide there uh, with the dog. And I guess I just remember that one the most, um, probably affected me the most because we are so close to our dogs and we can, you know, relate to what he was going through. Yeah. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah. Oh, that must have been so difficult for him and for you guys, as you said, as being dog handlers. Wow. Mm. 
Goodness. You know, and, I, and I'll add that, you know, a lot of times the question I get is, how do you tell the family member that you have found their deceased loved one? And my answer to that is always by the time that we are called out there, the family has recognized that this individual is deceased, and they just want to find them. Mm-hmm. You know, so going back yeah. and telling them we got them versus we didn't find them yet again, it, you know, it's a lot easier to, to tell them you found them. Yeah, yeah, because there can be comfort in that and knowing, Absolutely. at least knowing where their loved one is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting them back, yeah, is so critical. Wow, well, that is just, that's amazing work that you're doing. That's so great. So tell us more now about the book. Well, like we kind of discussed before, it was a love project of 10 years. And though it is actually a fiction book with some, it's kind of a genre of itself. It involves fantasy, crime. It's about a serial killer. You know, it's got some paranormal activity in it. Titan, I actually use his name in the book, and the the main character, who is a dog, his personality was actually based on Titan, because at two years old, he was stubborn and as obnoxious as anybody could be, so I actually used his personality, and and the experience and knowledge of cases that we work to kind of interweave all the different aspects of the story. And I included something a little unique, which is a Native American culture. He actually belongs to a secret sect of this Native American uh, faction that works with the highest levels of law enforcement on uh, cases like this. So they go after this serial killer, and um, that's what the story is kind of based on. Wow. Well, it sounds really intriguing. And how can people get a copy of the book? The book can be um, located through Amazon.com. Just look up Death Scent and uh, by author S.V. Wolf, or you can get it through the Barnes & Noble website. Or the third location would be to go to my publisher's website, which is BlackRoseWriting.com. Okay, awesome. Well, and so I have to ask you, are you do you still have Titan, or is Titan... I do not. Titan passed on in uh, 2007. And it's really interesting that in October he recovered a victim here uh, in the Texas area, and in November he, at 13 years old, uh, we let him pass on. Well, what a wonderful and full life that he had to still be working at 13. That was incredible. Oh yeah, he's just loved getting out there and 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 working. It was amazing to watch him. Yeah, he was. Just, uh, they called him, when he went through school, they called him the professor. (laughs) He was just an amazing dog. Yeah, it sounds like it. Do you have another dog you're working with now? I do. I have a Dutch Shepherd. Um, That's a breed that's from Holland. You don't find too many of them in this country. Uh, His name is Smoke. And, um, you know, and and I think it's an interesting point to bring out that uh, you really have to understand that these dogs are like us and that they have different personalities. And I was just so impressed with Titan, and Titan just kind of did everything on his own. You know, he he was a thinker. He he thought out everything and problem-solved things on his own. And Smoke is a whole different personality, and, and I really had to be flexible in understanding that. Yeah, I can certainly appreciate that. Whistle is my third service dog, and boy, I tell you, 
everyone has been so different and you start all over. Yeah. And once you've had a dog like Titan, it's really hard yeah. to start all over again because you have these expectations and what you're used to and boy it is not the same. You are so right. And you can find yourself getting frustrated with that second or third dog because of what you just said, your expectations and and how those expectations were met with that first dog. And yes, you're right. You have to you have to step back and remember this is not the same dog and I have to learn how to approach him or her differently. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true and you can't have that it's not fair to the other dogs mm-hmm. to expect them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard as the handler <laughs> when you're so <laughs> spoiled by those other dogs. <laughs> you're so true. You're so right. oh. Well, so tell us more about Smoke. So what are some cases that you and Smoke have worked together? Well, Smoke has had um, uh, not as much success as Titan did. He hasn't had as many cases that he's been called out for, but um, he has recovered cremation remains where a homicide victim was murdered and then burned. And I'm burned in a way that I just, I don't know how they even got fire hot enough to get the remains down the way they did, but it was pretty much just ash. And uh, Smoke was able to still identify that odor in those in that cremation ash. Um, and another case that he worked was a woman that had been buried only 48 hours. And so there's not a whole lot of odor for a dog to work with in a 48-hour time frame, but he was still able to identify the location of her burial. So he's, I mean, he's, he's definitely got the nose, uh, mm-hmm. but one problem Smoke does have is he has COPD. He's not able to work much in, the, you know, the real, real hot days of the summer. Yeah. Well, I was also wondering about their attention span also when they're working a case. How long can they actually work out in the field before they get tired or need to stop? Really depends on the dog and where you're at. Like in the Texas area, it gets really, really hot, and you may be only able to work that dog 15 or 20 minutes before Mm -hmm. you have to stop getting the shade, hydrate them. And yeah, they get tired very quickly in that environment and frustrated if they're not finding anything. So we'll actually carry a little bit of odor in a container and a pack. And uh, when they're arrested, you know, you get somebody to throw that out in an area that they've already come from, an area they've cleared. And that way the dog is able to find something, get their reward, have a few minutes of excitement and say, okay, let's go back to work. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because I know I have to do that. Whistle can get really frustrated if he doesn't have a success. Yeah, so I was curious about that and the length of time that they can work before they get distracted. Yeah, and you know, if a younger dog sometimes can get frustrated more easily. So you have to be, you know, you have to understand that. Yeah. Well, so if tell our listeners, if someone wants to get training and, and become a cadaver dog handler, what would you recommend now? I would first do some research on the Internet. You know, you can find just about everything on the Internet now. There are quite a few organizations out there now um, that weren't available uh, when I was first getting trained. So I would, you know, I would do some research, look through those organizations, see which one maybe is in your area or meets your style of uh, training needs or expectations. I started out with NASAR, which is National Association for Search and Rescue, and, and that's where I got my basic information 
uh, and understanding of, you know, what it included. And then I went through uh, Andy Redman and Marcy uh, Koenig in Seattle, Washington, and went through their basic and advanced uh, training. Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, like you said, research is the key because there are so many different organizations that claim they can train you or or something, but but aren't always the best. Are there any regulations for the training for cadaver dogs? It depends on the organization that you mean, like nationally, NASAR has regulations, but you don't have to comply uh, with NASAR, but it definitely gives you parameters and criteria. Now, each state, each law enforcement agency, um, each organization that you belong to, it just really depends on, you know, where you hang your hat. I'm sure it would probably give people more credibility if they are affiliated with NASAR. True. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's the issue, too, for assistance dogs. There is no regulation, but it certainly is if you get that certification through different organizations. In my opinion, it definitely gives you credibility, and it's harder for people that don't have that. It is, especially if you're trying to to break out with, you know, you're here you are new on the scene, and you're trying to gain the trust and uh, respect of a law enforcement agency that you want to work with. They want to know that you've had formal training. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I know. I mean, these types of cases that you're working and and the impact that you're having, it, it's very serious, serious hard work. And law enforcement agencies don't want to get to court and lose a case because you don't have formal training, don't have records, and the defense can, you know, just tear your credibility apart. Yeah, that professionalism is just so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just can't thank you enough, SV, for joining us and talking about the work that you've done and, and the book, Death Scent, which sounds incredible, and I hope I get to read that and, and hear about the story that you're telling, which I'm sure is going to be really interesting and hard to put down, I'm sure. Well, I hope so. I hope uh, folks enjoy it and like it as much as I enjoyed writing it. And I'm really honored to speak with everyone today, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love your emails, love to hear from you. So please keep those coming. Um, And you can email me at Pet Life Radio, as you know. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter and read our blog at workinglikedogs.com. So again, that email is Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. So thanks so much for being with us, and we look forward to you coming back again real soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.